What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Fight HQ preview for UFC Kansas City. Of course, goes down tomorrow night there in Kansas City, Missouri. It is headlined by the returning Max Holloway taking on Arl Allen. Also, co-main event, we got Edson Barboza taking on Billy Quarantil. Of course, we're going to be here for the next hour, breaking this one down for you. Of course, as always, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to watch us. If you're watching us live or if you're watching us after the fact or if you check us out over there on the podcast channels, we really do appreciate that. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure do that hit that subscribe button me and pete really do appreciate that uh pete uh happy friday afternoon a good you know uh obviously uh i i you know i love the main event but i think you know what's drawing me tomorrow night yeah i i've got the tampa blinders on with billy q oh yeah you already know billy q is one of my favorite guys within the within the featherweight division and uh he just so happens to be a friend of the show and a friend of uh jason floyd and uh yeah, I mean, you've known him for a long time and done a ton of interviews with him. So, of course, you got to root for your Tampa guy. And uh, I'm going to be doing the same. Billy Q, massive, massive fight for him. And by the way, we do have the DraftKings contest is already live, so you can uh, get into that contest. Uh, the link is in the show notes below. So if you want to get in that contest, uh, did your boy Wolfie, was he the one who took it down last week? I don't think so. If if he's in our If he's in our Discord or in our contest, that's news to me. Okay, I when I saw the username, I was like, "Oh, that's Wolfie." I, yeah, that's that would be news to me because I'm pretty sure he would be jumping around the gym like with a printout of of <laughs> uh, of the lineup, just like parading around. And uh, I don't think it was him, but yeah, it was. You're gonna, uh, make, you're gonna make me text him now. Well, whoever it is, their uh, DK user handle is Wolf EA22. Taking down the contest last week, uh, a rare contest where you, it only took 429 points to take it down. What a disaster last week was! Like last week was just, it was chaotic, and uh, you, you, you know, know you, that's why like even getting to these massive favorites, like sometimes we're always thinking about ceiling points. But having a high floor is important too, and just ensuring a W was enough to to make it into the optimal lineup. But goodness gracious, last week I want to forget about it. Yeah, no, I mean Rob Font, the only fighter over a hundred points last week. I felt like a genius. I know you felt like a genius, but that was like one of the the only good bounces that worked out from a DFS score. Um, and I was like, wow, I should have just locked in our boy. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, I, you know, it's like last week, I thought what was tough about it was even though Kelvin Gaslam and Chris Curtis was a great fight to watch, it mm. wasn't a great fantasy fight. And, and that's something we kind of allude to. And, and I think that's when you're talking about you're developing your lineups, you know, for tomorrow night, that's where you kind of, you have to look at these matchups and say, okay, where is my, you know, where is my ceiling on it? And we, we talked about last week, it's just going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, Pete, let's get right into the main event. We want to break down these fights. Of course, Max Holloway taking on Aaron Allen. Max Holloway, minus 185 betting fair, plus 150 for Aaron Allen. As we look at the uh, DFS side of the equation, Holloway, 9000 on DK, $22 on FanDuel. And then Aaron Allen, 7200 on DK, $15 over there on FanDuel. I mean, Pete, I mean, look, first thing, when I think of Max Holloway, I think about pressure. Um, and on the other side of this equation, Aaron Allen, to me, he's a guy that he's been looking for this type of fight to prove that he is a top three guy in this division. Yeah, I think it's a massive fight for the division, truly. Um, I, I love it when Featherweights, um, you know, headline the event, uh, event, never mind when Max Holloway, one of the 
best heavy uh, featherweights of all time is headlining the event. And uh, I, I like Holloway in this matchup against Arnold Allen. Obviously, he has a tremendous record inside the UFC of 19 and 7. He's fought the who's who, and he's been more battle tested inside the toughest organization in mixed martial arts. Whereas Arnold Allen, yes, he's 10 and 0, but the, the list of names and his resume isn't the the toughest in comparison to Max Holloway. It's still a solid, solid resume, but this is a true test for Arnold Allen. It's a step up in competition. Um, you know, we didn't really get to see much in his past fight against Calvin Cater. Prior to that, it was a war against Dan Hooker. It ended in round one, um, but it was chaotic. And I do think that Arnold Allen being a southpaw is getting uh, a decent amount of love within the uh, w- within the community. But I'm not going to overthink it. I, I really like Max Holloway here. And I, I understand that his previous performance against uh, Volk wasn't the best. He threw 301 significant strikes, landed only 127. Some pretty poor accuracy. Uh, always has good volume. But uh, he seemed to be a step behind in that matchup. And uh, if he was going to get the decision, which he wasn't, but he would have only scored 88 points in the win. And that's kind of like... Uh, that, that sticks out to me as as one of the rare occasions where Max Holloway wouldn't be in the optimal lineup in a win. Um, there was another time against Frank Yeager in a five-round decision where he, he scored 82. Um, but you, you talk about a guy who's usually uh, a fantasy points god out there, high volume, good work rate. And I think this is kind of like a y'all must have forgot. I, I'm, I'm a big Max Holloway guy. I know that he's taken a ton of damage within his career. Um, Arnold Allen is a very smart fighter, uh, powerful. But I just think from a volume standpoint, um, from an experience standpoint, and just from the five-round nature, I I have so much trust in Max Holloway here. Obviously, his numbers are completely ballooned because of his history inside the octagon. But I I just do think that this is going to be a a volume performance for Max Holloway, picking apart Arnold Allen en route to a decision win. So, uh, yeah, I I love the price tag of 9000 I don't hate getting to Arnold Allen. Um, he's 10 and 0 for a reason. He hits really hard. He can mix in some takedowns. Um, and he is one of the, you know, best prospects, uh, across the pond. But I, I will say that like, you know, Trey, he, he's tough, right? Because he, he's, he, he trains with some good, some good fighters, uh, mixed in some, some work with, uh, Leon Edwards. I just, I, I have to say that Max Holloway is going to be the pick for me. Yeah, I mean, as I think of kind of how I'll, I'll develop my lineups, I mean, in a cash lineup, I think I don't mind getting Arnold Allen just because, like you, I, I think this thing's going to go 25 minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I might be able to get, you know, 30, 40 you know, points out of him, even in a, in a loss. In GPPs, I think it's a little bit of a, of a different story. Um, you know, just looking over the prop bet side of this equation, uh, inside a distance, Max Holloway plus 210, plus 375. Um, and you you want to look at him, I mean, I, I think this kind of tells you where kind of the, the odds makers and the betting public sees this thing going. Fight goes a distance, minus 115. Now, by the way, these numbers could have changed. I, I put together my spreadsheet last night. Uh, but Max Holloway via decision, plus 150. So you're not really getting a lot of juice there. Um, you yeah. know, there, there are, you know, one of the things of, you know, cause one of the things I, I put in my spreadsheet is fight goes a distance. And one of the things is I did not see many plus money uh, when it comes to fight goes a distance. Uh, so, you know, I think this could potentially maybe, maybe it is type of a decision card, but like on, on the betting side, I'd probably be, if I was going to throw a sprinkle on a non-decision prop, it'd probably be Holloway via TKO KO at plus 250. I was just going to say that because I feel like my boy is due for a finish. 
Um, and it doesn't always happen like that. That's kind of like just, you know, viewing it for, for, you know, viewing the the statistics on paper. But I have to tell you that I think Arnold Allen is pretty hittable. You saw what Dan Hooker can do to him. Uh, I, I think a guy of Max Holloway's caliber who has more volume, he's more ferocious and he's actually a better striker than Dan Hooker. Um, I think that there's a, a path to him getting a late TKO by mixing in some body strikes, head strikes, Arnold Allen against the cage, kind of just getting teed off, and it's a standing TKO, not really knocking him out. Um, but, yeah, give me give me Max Holloway. I, I think that he might surprise some people here at 9,000. I mean, now we go move over to the co-main event. You got Billy Quarantillo taking on Edson Barboza. Billy is a minus 175 betting favorite, plus 145 for Barboza. I got to tell you, I was a little surprised by this betting line. I, would, I thought it was going to be in that, like, Billy minus 220 to 30, not 220, minus 120, minus 130 range. That's right. So when I, earlier this week, I went to say I saw it at like 160, and I was like, wow, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Billy, uh, 8,700 DK, 19 on FanDuel. Uh, Edson Barboza, 7,500 on DK, $11 on FanDuel. Um, I mean, look, I'll be fully admit, I got some blinders on here. I'm not not afraid to come out and say I might have a little bit of blinders on here. Um, I, I think on the betting side, this may be a better live betting if you want to bet on Billy because um, I can see Edson Barboza getting off to a good strength here. Um, you know, I'll be out with some people who are who are kind of you know very close to Billy in, in this uh, you know South Tampa scene that me and him are both in. So um, I mean, look, I, I think if you're Billy, it's he's got to utilize takedowns at some point in this fight. Yeah, I, I think that's a great path to victory here, right? And um, I'm going to be getting to this fight a ton. I was. I am in agreement with you. I thought this was going to be the 8,200, 8,000 fight just naturally of how inconsistent Edson Barboza has been, but yet his strength of schedule, he's fought the who's who between featherweight and lightweight. And you have Billy Quarantillo, who is a a guy on the rise, um, hitting a stride. Yeah, he lost the decision to Shane Burgos, but man, that was an absolute war. Picked up a very nice TKO win over Alexander Hernandez, who is just coming off a nice victory over Jim Miller. So that aged well. Um, A beautiful finish over Gabriel Benitez. This comes down to styles make fights, right? And you have a guy who's a younger prospect in Billy Q going up there against a staple within the division, Um, a guy that has history at lightweight, but for some reason prefers to fight at featherweight, as he spoke about in the media. Um, You know, it's a very dangerous fight, and it all comes down to the respect that Billy Q has for Edson Barboza. You have to respect all your opponents. But if you show them too much respect, you're going to end up land like Dan Hooker um, where you just get completely brutalized. And Edson Barboza is going to switch kick your liver about 1,500 times. He's going to chop your legs with brutal, brutal leg kicks. He's going to hit you with knees and vicious hand combinations. I think that's all about respecting the space. And certain fighters will go out there and respect the space too much Edson Barboza does really well when the space is mutual, when when he's not getting pressured backwards. Everybody's different, right? Some fighters do just fine fighting backwards, but I'll tell you the large majority struggle going backwards. They're a great bully, but they're not good, they're not good at getting bullied. Um, the thing in this matchup, if I'm Billy Q's coach, it's all about footwork and pressure. If you put Barboza on his back foot, you can really just take him out of his element. Bryce Mitchell did it, but in a takedown way. Uh, Shane Burgos for two rounds, two and a half, did really, really well against Edson Barboza by implementing heavy, heavy footwork pressure um, and just consistent pace and and making Barboza have to circle out and get on his bicycle and try to fight for that 
that, uh, you know, that cage control, but Billy Q's pressure is relentless. Yes, he'll get hit a lot in the meantime, so I do worry about him getting Shane Burgos where if he doesn't pressure forward and he's in that middle range, he gets hit with a big shot, gets dropped. We know that Billy Q gets hurt a lot. He gets put on his butt sometimes as well from takedowns. I do think that he clearly has the jiu-jitsu and wrestling advantage in this matchup against Edson Barboza. I think he needs to go out there and just not view Barboza as Barboza. Go out there and act like, you know, you could get right into the face of your opponent. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be Billy, Billy Q's time to shine here. Um, I like how Billy Q looked in the Kyle Nelson fight. Completely different fighter than than uh, Edson Barboza. But you can take something from that and say, go out there and be aggressive from the get-go. Bully him. You can bully Barboza. And that's something I've always thought. You can break him. And I think that Billy Q is – he could lose round one because I feel like he's lost numerous round ones. So this is a great live betting situation, as you mentioned. I do think that Billy Q ends up getting it done. However, the price tag of Barboza at 7500 as a dog, if Billy Q doesn't implement the correct game plan, you're going to see the old vet get another victory here of a, of a, a prospect that just wasn't ready. Um, but with all the knee injuries – you know, surrounding Edson Barboza coming off. He said he had three to four injuries in the same knee. Um, and he's, he's just finally healed from it. I don't like hearing that. I know he's a part of America top team. That's great. But uh, I'm siding with Billy Q here. Don't necessarily like the number. I wish it was a little bit closer, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be picking Billy Q, but I'm not neglecting Barboza as an underdog to come through. No, I'm not. I mean, if you're playing multi-entries and you're seeing those projected ownership right now on Edson Barboza, I'm just like, man, how, how do you yeah. not take some flyer? I mean, I, I think the Billy ownership is is high. I, I, I don't want to get that high on Billy in this one just because of, you know, we, we talk about this of that ceiling of, you know, it, w- what happens if this is just a three-round kickboxing matchup and Billy doesn't get those takedowns? That's where I, I kind of wonder where that 8700 price tag can really pay off in, in terms of that one. And, uh, you know, look, I would, you know, on the betting side of it, I think live betting is probably the way to go. But if you want to look at uh, you know, some of these props, I'd probably be looking at, at Billy plus 225, the win via decision. I think that one. And also something to note about this one, this is the fight Billy wanted. After his last fight, he made it well yeah. known. I won Edson Barboza. And to me, it's a smart matchup for Billy right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, you have Barboza, who's at the tail end of his career. It's a massive co-main event. Um, and you, you can really steal a lot of his shine before somebody else does. And he has the correct fighting style to, to pick up another victory over Edson Barboza, who... You know, his last two wins comes over that big right hand against Shane Burgos. He was losing that fight. But prior to that, it's Makwan Americani. It's one, two, three, four, five. He's two and five in his last seven. Obviously, it's against Gaethje Felder, Dan Ige, Americani. Burgos were wins. Chikadze and Mitchell. So take that for what you will. But I'm going to be going with Billy Q here to get it done. By the way, for the person in the chat, yeah, Pete's never making 146 again. No, 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 no. It's, it's, uh, I've been, I've been on the grind getting back to everything as well. I mean, I'm always training and everything, but like now that, you know, the baby's here and all that, I'm up and up and everything because, uh, we, we, we got to start getting a little bit lighter because I don't want to keep approaching 200, brother. I don't want to keep doing going that way. Oh, bro. You, when we get done with the show. 
going to tell you yeah. about uh, an opportunity, but it's just a little heavy. Oh, boy. Well, maybe I'll keep getting heavy. So. <laughs> a 190 catch weight. Let's just say I saw the money that's being offered. I was like, whoa, whoa. I can that's make, a lot of money I can for make Angel 190 tomorrow. Yeah, I can make 190 tomorrow, so no problem at Pete's all. Like, Pete's like, yeah, I'll hop on the scale right now, 190. All I do is train with heavyweights, so I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll let you know about that after the show, because I, I saw it uh, uh, in this uh, Facebook group that I'm in, and I was like, woo, I don't know if Pete can make 190. I might have to weigh in with my dad's wallet in my in my pockets and shoes on like I did one time for a kickboxing fight. I had to. Oh, your dad's you know, a big I, wallet guy? Oh, oh yeah. Well, the day of his the day of his fights, of course. So I had his keys, his wallet, and all that because my opponent dropped out. So I was fighting at one thirty five, uh, and I took a a short notice fight on eight hours at one fifty five. So I had to literally just I weighed in with clothes on, pockets filled, and I was one fifty two. <laughs> and somebody we know was like. All right. Okay. Yeah, they, they, exactly. So, and and I ended up TKOing the kid in the uh, in the second round. So it oh, worked yeah. out. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got uh, next up. We got my guy Dustin Jacoby taking on Azamat. Uh, Jacoby at minus one sixty five betting fair plus one forty for Azamat. Uh, Jacoby eighty nine hundred DK eighteen dollars on Fanduel. Azamat is seventy three hundred on DK twelve dollars on Fanduel. Pete, what's your thoughts? So, I mean, Azamat's coming from a fantastic gym, K-Dojo Warrior Tribe. Um, it's, a, it's a gym that's starting to, to gain some popularity and notoriety. Uh, it's a gym that Habib Nurmagomedov initially fought out of uh, in his breakthrough into the UFC. And we've seen other fighters come through. Um, and, you know, Azamat's a, a pretty good fighter. He's really good. But for some reason, there's something about his game that makes me want to keep picking against him. I picked Tafan and Chukwi to beat him. Um, and I look, I look really smart for the first two rounds up in, because he was picking him apart on the outside, outpointing him. Um, and then Tafana Chukwe just ate a vicious knee to the face and was knocked out in the third round. But I was really thinking that I, I, I read the fight perfectly. Um, I do think that Azamat's a, an underdog that I'll get to because of his power. He hits really hard. Sambo background um, has some sneaky grappling if if he wants to go to that well, but he tends not to. He tends to just brawl and throw some hands. And his takedown defense is he uses his skills in the wrestling department to mainly keep it on the feet. I guess Tafana Chukli, he did attempt five takedowns. He landed only one of them. I do think that a guy in Dustin Jacoby has better takedown defense than Tafana Chukwe. Um And that's because Jacoby trains with some of the best fighters out there, and uh, he's also just developing. I, I really think that Jacoby's doing great things in the octagon. Losing to Khalil Roundtree kind of threw me for a loop because, I don't know, man. Roundtree's a guy I can't really get correct, but uh, Jacoby's striking is you know, on a completely different level than most of these fighters within this light heavyweight division. And uh, I, I do think that if Tafan and Chukwi can be on the outside picking you apart with combinations, the length, the variety, and the skills and fight IQ of Dustin Jacoby can do enough to win a decision. My worry is that he's winning the fight up until he gets hit with a big shot, gets dropped, and then we're like, okay, well, for three and a half minutes, he controlled the round and did just fine, but now he just got dropped, and that was the most most damaging strike of the round. So let's give the round to Azamat Mirzakhanov, and it's like, 
You know what I mean? And then he gets another decision by by doing that for two of the three rounds, even though we do think that Jacoby was the better minute winner. So with all that being said, though, I'm going to side with my boy in Dustin Jacoby. I actually think that he has uh, a solid floor in this matchup. And, uh, you know, Merzakhanov gets hit a little bit too much for my liking. If he if he beats Dustin Jacoby, man, it's off to the races for this guy. I mean, he's on back-to-back TKOs. If he TKOs Jacoby, I'll be very, very surprised. Jacoby gets hit but tends to recover pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, with all that being said, don't neglect the underdog, Merzakhanov. For me personally, it's going to be a Jacoby play. You know, and I think that you know, this is where, you know, I'm looking at ownership and, you know, and, and the tools that, that we you know have access to. And, you know, I'm looking at Jacoby in, in comparison to what that ownership is on Billy Q. And I mean, we got a, a substantial difference over there. Um, you know, even though, you know, I would say, I mean, you know, Dustin win via decision plus 175. You don't, you're not getting great number there. Um, this is one of the fights that actually does have plus money on the fight to go the distance at plus 115. So that's something I would kind of uh, be looking uh, there in terms of that one. Next up, we got a matchup where we got a heavyweight coming down to 205 pounds, and he actually weighed it at 203 pounds. Tanner Bowes are moving down to 205 pound division, taking on Ian Kutalaba. Kutalaba, a minus 135 betting favorite, plus 110 for Bowser. Uh, Kutalaba on DK, $8,417 on FanDuel. Bowser, $7,814 there on FanDuel. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, there's there's these times where Ian Kutalaba where we, we know he's a wild man, but there are times where he does fight with a little bit of patience. But to me, what concerns me about him in the favorite role here, Pete, is I wonder is if Tanner Bozer gets this into the late rounds. And and look, there's a lot of unknowns of what Bozer's going to look like at 205 pounds, but I just think that the longer this fight goes on, the more it is an advantage for Tanner Bozer. Oh, yeah. Kudalaba has a fantastic round one opportunity here, as he does every time he fights, right? Offensively, he's great. He goes out there. He can get takedowns. Um, he's sloppy on the feet, too. He's But with that aggression, sometimes you can mentally check out some of your opponents, and they can like just succumb to the, the pressure, and, and next thing you know, they're defending the whole time, and they're getting beaten up. Um, you know, Against Devin Clark, he put his entire – you know, skill set on display scored 127. And that was mainly because he went eight of 12 in the takedown department. His wrestling chops are there. Devin Clark's a good wrestler and he's strong as hell, but he can be bullied. And that's what you saw Ian Kutalaba do. The crazy draw against Dustin Jacoby, he scored 89. So that's in a draw. That's crazy. But he went nine of 19 in the takedown department. This is, I think I'm going to say it. Yeah, he's one of the two fighters that has the highest takedown city potential on this entire slate. Now, my issue with Kudalaba is always his fight IQ. It's always his volatility. Um, Very hittable. The chin is gone. The cardio is suspect sometimes when he doesn't, when it, you know, doesn't go his way. His jujitsu skills are super suspect as well. So outside of wrestling and just kind of ragdolling his opponents, I don't trust him at all. And he is two, six, and one in his past nine. And he's been finished by Kennedy and Jack Wu, Johnny Walker, Ryan Spann, Ankalaev, Ankalaev, Glover Teixeira. Some pretty notable names. Um, but on the flip side, we do have Tanner Bozer dropping down a weight class. I think that he's going to do better at this lighter weight class because he looked like a guy that was just living normally 
and to to make heavyweight wasn't really sacrificing much. I do think that he is sacrificing to get down to light heavyweight. I think he's going to be stronger than how than you know what a lot of people think for this division. And he's had decent takedown defense, but in his past one, it just proved like he had a heavyweight completely out grapple him in Rodrigo Nascimento and route to a split decision defeat. So I think his thinking is, I got out grappled and out muscled by a bigger guy, not necessarily a better fighter. And I do think that he wants to kind of level out the playing field by dropping down a weight class. He possesses some sneaky power despite being known as a guy going the distance. Um, but inside the UFC, he's picked up three TKOs, one against OSP, one against Rafael Pazo, and one against Felipe Lins, who is the PFL tournament winner. So there's clear power in those hands. And if Kudalaba exhausts himself going for those takedowns, whether he gets them or not, I think he's going to be a sitting duck for some of the responding punches from Tanner Bozer. So who do I trust more? I got to say I trust Tanner Bozer more, but I don't trust either one of these. Um, so it's a slight lean towards Tanner Bozer, but I'm probably just going to um, – you know, include them both in my lineups because of the takedown potential of Kudalaba despite the volatility. And I want to include Tanner Bowser because of the KO potential because his opponent's an idiot. So I, I think that 7,800 Tanner Bowser, Bowser is going to be my lean here. I feel like I just need to cut that. His opponent's <laughs> <laughs> he is I just, though. I just feel like that. That's that's gonna be a quote we just play throughout the years. On, on very, we just take his name out and put. But I, th- this is to me with Kutalaba is I see the the potential fantasy score upside with him oh, yeah. because of takedowns. I just feel like he's going to be able to get takedowns, but I think Bozer's going to be able to get right back up. So that's where I kind of look at this and say, man, the, the, in terms of GPPs, I think this is one of those fights that uh, you know you got to put a little bit of priority on. Uh, next up, we got a matchup between Chris Gutierrez and Pedro Munoz. Chris Gutierrez. Is a minus 225 betting favorite, plus 180 for uh, Pedro Munoz over on DK. Chris Gutierrez, man, some of these prices on DK this week. I'm just like, oh. I don't know. They were drinking today. They were drinking this week. I can't wait. I can't wait till we talk about 9,600 Zach Cummings. I don't know what the hell these guys were talking (laughs) to. These these guys were thinking this week. Dude, I saw that side. I was like, holy crap. I don't understand, man. (laughs) I really don't get it. And I'll say this, like, you know, Chris Gutierrez, Pedro Munoz, I think there's a lot of similarities between these two guys. Yeah. The one the one thing to me about Pedro Munoz, and I know give a little people inside what me and Pete were talking about before the show is is some of these six thousand options and when I was just hand building my first lineup, I looked at the six eight hundred dollar price tag on Pedro Munoz and go, if he would just use his BJJ. If he yep. would just use it, he's got an advantage. I mean, this is, I mean, in all reality, let's just be honest about it. This is a battle leg kickers, Pete. Oh, yeah, it sure is. It's a fantastic bantamweight fight. It really is. The issue that I have from DFS is just the number associated with Chris Gutierrez. From betting, you have Chris Gutierrez sitting there at a minus 225 favorite, whereas Pedro Munoz is plus 180. So, like, that's fine. But as far as, like, roster construction – Chris Gutierrez at 9,400, why? Because he knocked out Frankie Edgar, okay, in round one, 104. Got a second-round finish over uh, Dana Bakary, scored 96. But there were ugly parts of that. Got a split decision over Felipe Colares, got 74. Prior to that, Andre Ewell, 75. I mean, I'm just not really sold on this price tag associated with Chris Gutierrez. He hits 
he's very accurate. So he'll chop at your legs. He has great calf kicks, um, good variety with his attacks. And I think that he can, you know, trick up a lot of his opponents. But Pedro Munoz is a very talented striker as well. Tends to be the slower fighter in most of his matchups because for whatever reason, he's just not the fastest guy. And uh, Father Time's undefeated. We might have seen the best out of Pedro Munoz, but the skills are still there. Like, they they still are there. The combinations he throws are, are good. Um, I didn't like, you know, the eye poke, obviously, against Sean O'Malley, but he was landing leg kicks galore. Um, I, I think that, for the most part, he throws decent amount of volume, and volume alone is something that can match, if not exceed, Chris Gutierrez's output. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag this week, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've been flip-flopping all week. I think a 6,000 fighter wins. I think a 6,000 fighter wins this week, and I've been debating on, is it Pedro Munoz or is it Clay Guida? And I'm going to get a ridiculous amount of both of these guys just because I don't think a lot of people are going to. Um, and in addition to that, I think they both have – legitimate winning winnable matchups like i like pedro munoz is nine seven and two inside the ufc gutierrez is seven one and one this is the same guy gutierrez who went a split decision to felipe Calaris uh on on short notice got his back taken and controlled against cody durden i think pedro munoz can box leg kick answer leg kicks make this an ugly dirty fight that initiates a clinch from a clinch, he could just simply chase the back or maybe go to the takedown well. He hasn't really done so in most of his fights in the UFC. But when your job's on the line and you basically haven't done a damn thing outside of getting a decision win over Jimmy Rivera, I think he's desperate times call for des- desperate measures. And he went 3 of 10 in the takedown department against uh, Damian, Damian Stajak. I think we can see him go to that takedown well. And I think he's just going to make this an ugly, ugly fight. I'm picking Pedro Munoz here. I am. I'm picking Pedro Munoz to beat Chris Gutierrez. I don't think Chris Chris Gutierrez knocks him out. And the reason I don't think he knocks him out is Pedro Munoz is so damn tough. So since Gutierrez isn't knocking him out, I'm I'm expecting a close fight. Um, I'm just not in love with the number associated with Gutierrez on uh, for DraftKings DFS at 9400. So give me 6800 Pedro Munoz all day long. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, and I was just pulling up Chris Gutierrez' DK salaries, or excuse me, his scores. Uh, you, you look at uh, Frankie Edgar, he did score 104 points. Of course, that was a first-round knockout. Uh, you know, Then prior to that, to nah, he had 97. But then prior to that, it's 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. With the, uh, There's one outlier, the 114. But like to me, it's just – and you look at the betting odds, and the Gutierrez win via decision plus 100. I think it kind of tells you the way this one. I mean, I just – it's going to be hard for me to get Chris Gutierrez. I mean, I you know, in multi-entries, I'll get to, you know, a small yeah. percentage. But, like, I don't think I want more than 15% at the most. Yeah, I mean, there's a disparity between betting, right? Like, minus 225 for Chris Gutierrez shouldn't be 9,400. You know, sometimes we see three, minus three, minus 400 favorites and all that stuff. He's being priced up a lot, and I think it's due to the, the the recent run of Pedro Munoz, who is, outside of Jimmy Rivera, has lost to Aljamain Sterling, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz, and the eye poke against O'Malley. This could look like a layup on paper. I don't think it's a layup at all, and uh, it may be a hot take this week, but I'm, I'm going to go with Pedro Munoz. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think in terms of cash build, I, I don't mind getting there. Uh, you mentioned about Clay Guida. He's taking on Hoffa Garcia. Hoffa Garcia, a minus 275 betting favorite, plus 210 for Clay Guida. Hoffa Garcia is 9500 on DK, $23 on FanDuel. Clay Guida, 6700 on DK, $8 there on FanDuel. Uh, I mean, look, it's the one thing that, that stuck out to me and when I was looking at the prize picks. I, I, I really like the under two takedowns on Hoffa Garcia just because, you know, Clay doesn't get taken out. But, but look, Clay is 41 years old, you know. And, and by the way, and I said this on my uh, my podcast uh, two days ago, ESPN, you better not take a damn commercial break when Jason Guida is about to smack the living hell out of his brother. Yeah, for real, right? Like, I love Clay Guida. And all week, I've been battling. It's a, it's a winnable matchup for Clay Guida. It really is. Hoff, uh, Rafa Garcia, to me, the number 9,500 is ludicrous. Um, I don't think that he's some exceptional striker, which can give Clay Guida problems. I don't think that he's some spectacular BJJ ace, which can give Guida problems because Guida is notorious for putting himself in poor positions and getting submitted. But the it's kind of like a mirror match, right? Like Rafa Garcia seems to be a younger version of Clay Guida by, by just putting together ridiculous takedown volume solid striking, probably better striking than Clay Guida. Um, but that's not where they feel comfortable. They just strike just enough to threaten you to get back to work and in the takedown. So I'm really interested to see how these grappling scenarios go. Uh, listen to Rafa Garcia's takedowns. It's ridiculous. Six of 11 against Mahashate, three of 11 against Dracar Close, three of four against Jesse Ronson, but finished them relatively quickly in the second round. So maybe he does get a submission finish over Clay Guida. Um, 7 of 12 against Natan Levy. The ugly, ugly, ugly fight that is kind of like the dark cloud, you know, just following Rafa Garcia around is that Chris Gritzmacher loss. You know what I mean? But it's every fighter inside the UFC, Bellator or whatnot, they're going to, you know, deal with these ugly losses and have to, you know, take that learning experience in stride. I do think that Clay Guida can have some success because Rafa really has never faced somebody with tenacious wrestling like that. Drakkar close, landed two takedowns, went two of 10 in the takedown department. I think we could see Guida attempt, you know, 10 plus takedowns, no problem at all. Uh, Natan Levy went three of seven. So I do think that there is going to be some success on the Guida side. So the floor for Guida might be a little bit higher than Pedro Munoz, who's more reliant on leg kicks and and just you know striking combinations. I always say just find that punt that punt that can give you that takedown upside. And Clay Guida could be that guy here. But for whatever reason, I think that Rafa Garcia in 2023, I think that he's going to just do enough to get it done. Whether he finds a submission, I think that would be extremely bold, but possible. I think he's just going to do enough on the feet and have the better strikes to to win this fight. So give me Rafa Garcia. I hate the number, though. And Clay Guida is, like I said, I've gone back and forth between him and Pedro Munoz. I'm going to get a hell of a lot more than what the field's getting of Clay Guida. Just letting everybody know. You ready for me to blow your mind? Oh, boy. Are you going Clay Guida? I'm going to throw a stat at you. Clay okay. Guida has had 14 fights since 2015. Only one man has taken him down. 
Yeah. Do you know who it is? Bobby it's Green. Going, it's Bobby Green. Bobby Green took him down two two times that fight. You look at all these opponents since 2015. Peralta, Tavares, Ortega, Eric Koch, Lazone, DeBronx, Penn, Miller, Green, Johnson, Madsen, Santos, Pelos, and Holtzman. Only Bobby Green has scored a takedown against Clay Guido. Damn. Yeah, Bobby Green's damn good, too. Rafa Garcia will go to the well a lot more than some of those other fighters, but I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, Clay Guido just doesn't get taken down. He'll put himself in poor positions. He may get reversed, but usually he's the superior wrestler, and he'll pick you up and run you across the cage, too. So, with all that being said, man, I'm going to get to a ton. I, I just I think the number's too far for, for DraftKings DFS. That's why I talked about prize picks. One of my favorite plays on prize picks this week is the under two takedowns of Hoffa Garcia. And it's just because of what we have seen out of Clay Guida's takedown defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with it, man. Yeah. Um, and you just got to, you just got to play these certain situations where you think somebody can, yes, they get takedowns all the time, but they're going to get a stud and the under, of the takedowns for Rafa, Rafa Garcia might make a ton of sense for, you know, for that line today. No question. Next up, we got Bill Algio taking on TJ Brown. El Senor Perfecto is a minus 210 batting fair, <laughs> plus 170 for TJ Brown. Bill Algio is still one of my favorite all-time interviews. I, I, I love talking. Bill really? so is hilarious to talk to, man. Hilarious to talk to. Uh, he's 8800 on DK, $20 on FanDuel for TJ Brown, 7400 on DK, $10 on FanDuel. This is one of these fights where I look at this and I say, if I am in the TJ Brown camp, now he is there at, um, I, think, I believe it's called Westside MMA, there in Arkansas with, with uh, Bryce Mitchell and company. Like to me, he's got to put Bill on his back. Everybody does. Everybody puts Bill on his back. That's my issue with Bill Algio, and I love Senor Perfecto. I, I like him a lot. I think that he's a good striker. I think that. He has good offensive jujitsu and offensive wrestling. But defensively, man, what the hell is Bill Algeo doing sometimes? Because he'll get taken down and controlled. He'll get back to his feet sometimes. But if you can put him square on his back, you can just keep him there with good top pressure. And guess what? TJ Brown is going to put you there or at least attempt so. In the open open space, I think that Bill Algeo will have the clear – striking advantage the straight shots will frustrate tj brown tj brown's going to have to you know bob and weave get us get closer get in in a a closer range to really implement the clinch and then you know throw some combinations but go back to the wrestling went two of seven in the takedown department against eric silva picked up a third round finish um one of two against shy elon six of eight against charles rosa charles rosa's a, a fighter who's different than Bill Algeo, but similar in some ways, where Charles Rosa can be taken down and controlled similar to Bill Algeo. And I do think that I said, you know, Ian Kutalaba has takedown city potential. So does TJ Brown. And that is because of the skills of Bill Algeo, but also his susceptibility being put on his back. So against Charles Rosa, we did see TJ Brown score 112 points. I think this is going to be a dog fight. Bill Algeo is pretty similar to Billy Q, where as the fight gets going, he can get in your face and it's he can make you break. 
And I think I've seen TJ Brown break in several fights. Uh-huh. Um, but he's, he survived. Uh, but against Jordan Griffin, he did not. So, And that was in his debut. But I will tell you that I think TJ Brown's going to pull it off just because of the takedowns and be the better minute winner here. I like Bill Algeo more than TJ Brown. I will, I will be rooting for Bill Algeo. But me personally, I've watched in, in I watched too many Bill Algeo fights where I've picked him, and it's like, okay, get off your back. You're mm-hmm. on your back for too long. And it's like, I'm not seeing that improvement. And until I see the improvement, I'm going to side with the guy who has the massive takedown potential in TJ Brown. Now, if I was going to throw a sprinkle on a prop bet on this one, how about Bill Algeo wins round three plus 1,100? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's exactly how I see that going because it's like another great live betting situation or a late round prop. And it's he's very similar to Billy Q. Um, have they ever fought? I don't think so, right? I don't believe so. That'd be a hell of a fight. Like, that would be a hell of a fight because they're pretty similar. Um, but, man, I, yeah, that, that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Bill Algeo round three, uh, TJ Brown being the better minute winner en route to a decision. I think you, you understand what I'm going to say here is there are certain fighters that because of their fighting style and I see him on a car, I say, I want to watch that guy fight. I think there's yeah. a couple a couple of those fighters on this card. To me, Bill Algeo is one of those guys, but the problem is is if, he, if he's in a matchup where someone does have the ability to put him on his back, it can really uh, you know neutralize him. I mean, like, look, Billy Q is one of those guys. You tell me, and take away you know my, my Tampa bias here for Billy Q, just in terms of a fighting style. I just know that he's going to bring it. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you, another one later on this card we're going to talk about, Lando Veneta. He just brings craziness. And he, you tell me Lando Veneta's fighting, I want to watch a fight just because I think it's going to be a good fight. Another one of those guys that's in that list is Brand Roy Val taking on Matthias Nikolai. Nikolai minus 225 betting favor, plus 180 for Brand Roy Val over on DK. Nikolai 9100 $21 on FanDuel for Roy Val. He's 7100 DK, $10 on FanDuel. Uh, look, look we'll, we'll talk about the DFS side of this equation. Pete, how do you not play the under two and a half rounds on this one? Yeah, it's going to be chaotic. The only reason you wouldn't play the under two and a half is just historically what that division provides. And flyweight division, for the most part, used to just be competitive fights, um, fights that would go the distance. Finishes were an anomaly. And then you start getting some fighters in there. Tavis and Figueredo was really the guy who was like, oh, my gosh. And, like, you start seeing all these other fighters. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that the finishing skill set of both of these fighters is pretty impressive. Um, Roy Val makes a tremendous amount of mistakes, in my opinion, defensively in the striking department, defensively in the submission department, um, and more importantly, in the fight IQ department. Uh, I think that his recklessness has worked out really well in some of these matchups. But when you go up against a guy who is very, very refined, in all areas and Matthias Nicolau, I think you can he can make you pay for your mistakes. And could have throw out a little interesting stat, and it is that in Matthias Nicolau's fights, okay, he in the side of the UFC, he's seven and one. So he's had eight UFC fights. He has also, in addition to having eight UFC fights, he has had three, six, eight knockdowns, averaging a knockdown per fight. He had two against Bruno Correa in his debut. He had three against Luis Smolka. That was a destruction. 
Uh, he had one against David Dvorak, and most recently against Matt Schnell, he had two knockdowns. So eight knockdowns, eight fights in the UFC. Brandon Royval makes tons of mistakes on the feet, and I do think that uh, Matthias Nicolau is the better grappler of the two despite the lack of flair. Royval has the flair about him. He's going to be that underdog. That's the sexy underdog everybody's going to want to get to because of that crazy finishing potential and his – you know, he, he's just crazy. So at 7,100, I'm not against it. I'm going to get to some of him. But I have to side with Matthias Nicolau. I think he's the better MMA fighter. I think I've seen higher fight IQ from him. And, uh, yeah, you know, the win over Manel Kopp has, has aged well. I knew it would. Manel Kopp is, you know, one of the biggest names. And I believe he just – I think I saw Manel Kopp, Davis, and Figueredo as a fight that's – happening yes. or it was just yeah. announced I, yeah so i want to say it at uh 290 on uh, july 8th in vegas i want to say yeah 100 yeah. yeah i know uh rob was actually hoping to get that figure eight fight i know um and i think it'd be a great fight i mean like look roy val boom bus play i mean that that you know he's gonna fight for your money and by the way it's always interesting if when i hear bruce brotherick say uh you know brandon raw Why dog stupid i can't believe the ufc's not made him change his nickname I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. But I mean, like, look, like, in terms of the nine thousand options, I would rather get to a Matthias Nikolai than get to someone like a, a guy that we just talked about in Chris Gutierrez, just because of the finishing ability and just because you, like, you just mentioned a second ago, Roy Val is going to leave opportunities for you to take it there. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, and like, also, I, and I feel like if you're if you're Nikolai, just keep this fight on the feet. Yeah, I, I would agree. Okay, so in addition to that, the reason I like Nikolai a lot for for DFS is he's averaged a take a, a knockdown per fight. Right? Mm-hmm. He's also he also has six submission attempts per uh, for eight fights. Okay, so he's he's attempting submissions. He's so well rounded that I just think that he's going to be a very difficult matchup for Brandon Royval here. No, no doubt about it. Next up, we got Zach Cummins taking on Ed Herman. Zach Cummins, a minus 225 betting favorite, plus 180 for Ed Herman. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on a 9,600 Zach Cummings. I don't understand it, man. I just don't get it. It's crazy. I mean, he's never – He's ne- I mean, he had 131 points in his 43-second KOTKO over Dominique Steele. Outside of that – he scored 100 against Nathan Coy, first-round submission, and 103 against Benny Holloway. Who the hell is Benny Holloway? I don't know who that is. But what I will tell you is that Zach Cummings at 9,600 is a very restrictive price tag. I I view him to be the better fighter than Ed, you know over Ed Herman. Um, the light heavyweight division move is interesting. I think that it makes sense as we're all getting older, especially like I, I get it because I'm seeing it happen to myself, and it's harder to – to cut weight and you just you're growing up and you're putting on that dad strength and and you know the old man strength and all that stuff so ed herman's a guy that could win the fight win a decision i don't know man just ed herman to me i think that he's very hittable i think that he's there to be hit um and he seems to be a step behind so i like the zach cummings play the 9600 price tag is ridiculous and let me just see what's the ownership looking like on that thing because if yeah I mean that's 
that's probably about right. And the reason it's about right is it's just so restrictive, but it all comes down to which underdogs you're getting to. I think Cummings going to get it done. He has a sneaky, sneaky guillotine, um, and he hits pretty damn hard. So this could be the the crazy breakout, but I'm just not seeing it at 9,600. I'd rather take some other shots, save some money, and have a more well-rounded lineup than just a, a stars and scrubs approach if you want to really put Zach Cummings in that star category. It's, it's just a price tag more than anything. And remember, he hasn't fought in almost three years. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like what Joey Rock's saying is he'll sprinkle Herman because of the price. No problem at all. I'm, I'm fine with that. I think it's a close fight if it goes 15. But I do think that the finishing upside is clearly on Cummings' side. Yeah, I mean, it's just I just don't want to get to it. 9,600 Zach Cummings. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like you, you, if you – I mean, let's just say. Let's just say you put 15% of your lineups – Zach Cummings. You're just going to be sitting there watching the fights going, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been working with David Taylor. Maybe he puts on some wrestling, wrestling shoot. No, not really. He hasn't really landed a high-level amount of takedowns either. I just don't get it. He's yeah, got some good submission skills, and he hits hard, but there's too many question marks around in this to, to really be uh, confident in the number of 9,600. Yeah, I mean, obviously, change in coaching. You know, can't be coached by James Krause. I mean, this is this this UFC Kansas City card. If there was not a betting scandal, you'd probably have James Krause fighters just sprinkled throughout this card. But yeah, because glory and make glory, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, Jeff Moline would be on this card, but you know, he's he's a uh, under temporary suspension right now in Nevada. That's you know related to this. There'd be so many other guys that'd be on this card. Uh, let's move over next one. We got Julian Robertson taking on Rodriguez. Uh, Robertson minus one thirty five. Rodriguez plus one ten. This is your A two hundred. 8,000 fight with Jillian being the A200 fighter and then 16 and 15 over there on FanDuel. I mean, the thing to me about Jillian Robertson, Pete, is she's dangerous. Arm guard from guard is is live when it comes to Jillian Robertson, but the thing that scares the crap out of me about her is on the feet. Yeah, she's a liability to be hit on the feet. Dropping back down to straw weight, it's interesting. Um, she's she's competed at flyweight for the most part, and, and now we're going to see her um, going up there against Piero Rodriguez. I like the camp switch that Jillian Robertson has implemented a couple fights ago, and that's trading out of the goat shed down in Florida. Um, I think that it's a bunch of mean fighters, which is very cool because I think it's going to improve and develop the skills of Jillian Robertson. If you're going up in training against fighters that are going to try to bully you, that's what you need because that's that was her one weakness. She was one of those fighters that you could bully and just get her out of there by by throwing hard combinations um, and just kind of being a, a step ahead on the feet. I do like the camp switch. I think that her grappling skill set is of the highest level within the division. It's it's been pretty clear because she has what the most submission wins, most women's MMA submission wins. Mm. Um, within that division, and uh, you know now now we see her go up against Piero Rodriguez, who in her two fights in the UFC got five of eleven takedowns against Sam Hughes, and then three of four against Kay Hansen. So, not afraid to initiate the grappling. I just would be very careful because Jillian Rob- Robertson is the same fighter that in a grappling uh, match against Rose Namajunas took her back, choked her out, no problem at all. So the the submission chops for Jillian Robertson. It's amazing, but what I also really liked is when I saw her 
add in some ground and pound back in the day against Sarah Frota. And I think that's what she could do in a matchup like this. If somebody's too wise to get submitted, you hit them a couple times. That could open up the possibility of grabbing the neck, but it also could result in a TKO finish. So, yeah, I'm going to be siding with the the red hot Jillian Robertson. Um, I should say red hot. She's coming off a big, massive win against Maria Agapova. Prior to that, lost to J.J. Aldrich. But I do think we're seeing some development. So I'm going to stick with it and think that Jillian Robertson has momentum on her side. And uh, I, I like her in this matchup at 8,200. And the big thing is we saw her make 116 today, going down mm-hmm. to Strawway after a, a long run there at the 125-pound division. Next up, we got Daniel Zellhoberger taking on Lana Veneta. Uh, Zellhoberger minus 125 betting fair, plus 105 for Veneta. 8,500 for Daniel on DK, 16 on FanDuel. Lando is 7,700 on DK and $14 on FanDuel. Pete, what's your thoughts? I want to I want to back Venata here, but I'm just not going to do it. And the reason I'm not going to do it is because he lost to, to Charles Jordan, who – I think it's pretty obvious how you beat Charles Jordan. You go to the takedown well. You avoid the craziness of him. Uh, you don't leave your neck out there to get snatched up, as he did. I thought Venata was going to ragdoll Jordan, put on those wrestling shoes, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen. Uh, Venata has implemented some cross-training uh, at elevation, so interested to see how that is. I do think that Daniel Zell Huber is a very, very talented fighter, that this could be – a buy low situation because of his performance against Trey Ogden. I, I think that at range, he has the striking skills um, to to give Venata fits because Venata is pretty hittable, moves his head around a lot, but still gets his head popped back like a Pez dispenser. Uh, if this stays on the feet, I really do think that Zell Huber, you know, historically he's a dangerous fighter who's a high finish upside guy. I'm going to go with Daniel Zell Huber here. And I, I feel like a lot of people want to flock to Venata because of who he's fought. I agree, he's fought top level competition, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I always left wanting more. Like, where is the rest of your game? And I do think that a guy in Daniel Zellhuber is going to pick up a massive, massive win in the second UFC fight. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, pull up the updated ownership because if uh, the projection ownership was, is, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How, you know, you're looking for a leverage spot. He is one of the leverage spots this week. Yeah, and I'm going to him. I'm going to him because of exactly that. And he's a he's a high finish guy outside the UFC. It's just now he needs he needs a dance partner, and maybe Venata is the guy. And I mean, look, no matter where you get your ownership projections from, that's got to be you know when you're talking about playing multiple lineups or if you're getting these big GPPs, this is where you got to look at and say, okay. Who are, you know, I mean, how many times, Pete, have we sat here over the last several years and talked about that 84 to 88 range and going, okay, who is a fighter not in that range getting ownership and who could potentially break the slate? And maybe this week it is Daniel there. Next up, we got a female matchup. You got Bruno Brazil taking on Denise Gomes. Gomes is a plus 130 betting underdog, minus 160 for Bruno. She's 9,300 on DK, 19 on Fandle. And for Denise, 6,900 on DK, $12 on Fandle. I hate it. I hate the number. I just hate the number. Um, it's crazy that Bruna Brazil's salary is ninety three hundred. I think that she's clearly the A side in this situation. I think she's going to be a step ahead, better striking. Uh, Denise Gomes had her debut against Loma Luke Bumi on short notice. Attempted six of takedown attempts, got none of them. I just think that Bruna Brazil is going to land some hard, hard strikes on the feet. 
possibly en route to a finish, but most likely en route to a decisive 15-minute decision. So not too much to really go by in this situation um, other than I think that Bruna Brazil looked a lot better than Denise Gomes has in her recent run. So, yeah, give me Bruna Brazil. Um, I just – I really don't like the number, man. The, the number's killing me. The ownership is fine. I'm probably going to be in that same range. Um, but, yeah, Denise Gomes, you, you could do worse than getting to an underdog in women's MMA, especially unknown women's MMA. So I don't hate it, but I'd much rather get to Pedro Munoz, a guy that I actually have um, faith in his mm-hmm. skill set. So give me uh, – Give me uh, Bruna Brazil to pick up a pretty decisive victory here at 9,300. Next up, we got Gaston Bolanos, who is a minus 190 betting favorite, taking on Aaron Phils, plus 155. Of course, Aaron has not fought in a couple years. Just just yeah. like uh, we were just talking about with uh, Zach Cummings, uh, you're looking at DK, Gaston Bolanos, 9,200 on DK, $20 on FanDuel. Phillips, 7,000 on DK, $11 on FanDuel. The thing that sticks out to me is the fact that Bellator just let Gaston Bolanos walk. Yeah, I don't get it. Concerning to me why they let him walk. Correct. It is very concerning. And if you don't know who Gaston Bolano says, he's a fantastic kickboxer who, between Lion Fight uh, Muay Thai and Bellator MMA, has an illustrious striking background. And it's on full display every time that he fights. He'll hit spinning elbows better than anybody. Um, he, he has spinning elbow knockouts. His striking is great. He will engage in a firefight with small gloves. You have to be careful. Um, he is a little bit of, uh, there is some volatility surrounding him in MMA because he's a pure kickboxer who trains out of, uh, CSA who has dabbled between, you know, getting some extra work in with team alpha male and cross training with some other people. Um, but it takes a long time to really develop your ground game. It really does. And, uh, yes, he can be ready, but fight night, I think, is a different thing under the lights. We've already seen him be upset numerous times in Bellator. Did never expected him to walk. I didn't even know that the UFC signed him. I thought this would be a massive signing, um, especially within MMA media. And when I looked at the card, I'm like, hold on. He's in the UFC? I, I was very, very surprised. But I was going to full-out lock in Gaston Bolanos. I was just because of how talented he is in the striking department and how unsold I am on Aaron Phillips, who's a very hittable Taekwondo type of guy who is actually a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, but he was submitted against Jack Shore, but you can't really fault him. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sold on Aaron Phillips. And then I go into the social media deep dive, Jason, and I wish I never did. Or maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm, well, maybe I'm helping us out because – we're not gonna going to burn money. Do you want to know who Aaron Phillips is training with? Because it's going to make you completely second guess everything about Gaston Bolanos. You ready okay. for this? Okay. Gary Tonin and John Donaher. Interesting. They, and they're then they're heading with him to corner him. So hmm. it's that made me say crap. Crap. Because if they're going to go to the takedown well or they're going to go to the, the jiu-jitsu well, you couldn't ask for a better one-two punch than that. John Donaher is the guy that yeah. has trained everybody from Gordon Ryan to Gary Tonin to everybody. He's he's absolutely phenomenal. So Aaron Phillips, a guy that mostly is going completely lost in the shuffle, I'm taking much more of a chance that he goes in there and, and – 
works on what they've been working on. John Donaher's not teaching them head kicks. You know what I mean? It's pure jujitsu. Yeah. So I'm going to get to a ton of Aaron Phillips. I'm just going to get to a ton of this fight one way or another. I think it's an optimal fight. And then our first fight, and now you got a female matchup. Pudalova taking on Edwards. Pudalova minus 140 <clears throat> betting favorite. Plus 115 for Edwards, 8600 on DK for Pudalova, $17 on FanDuel. And then for Jocelyn Edwards, 7600 on DK, $13 on FanDuel. Pete, it, it seems like more times, you know, this opening fight has been coming oh, yeah. uh, an optimal. Last week, it was Sam Hughes with what she was able to do, surviving, um, you know, the first round, even though I um, I thought it was comical. For, first off, uh, don't mention your boyfriend placed a bet on you. Apparently, you missed that memo. Yeah. Um, Idiot. Second thing, I, I had to laugh at she was complaining about um, Jacqueline holding her glove when that's what she was doing in the first round to defend yeah. the submission. Buddy, I don't get it, man. They, oh, man. What? And Jacqueline Imarim wasn't, she just wasn't ready for 15 minutes. And that's when you're such a prolific finisher. You're untested in, in round two and round three. And, you know, anybody with a pulse who's, you know, really hungry for a win can, can steal a fight from you. And that's what happened. And, we have uh, Lucy Pudelova here against Jocelyn Edwards. And if I told you a fighter lost to Justine Kish, you'd probably not hold her in high regard. But if I said that <laughs> a fighter lost a split decision to Irene Aldana, well, now, 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 wait a, wait a second. That fighter might be pretty damn good. Well, guess what? It's the same fighter, and it's Lucy Pudelova. So I don't really understand how you lose a split decision to Irene Aldana and then lose a unanimous decision to Justine Kish. But it is what it is. In Pudilova's return to the octagon, she looks exceptional. Like she made Wu Yanan look like she did not belong in there. Um, she spent a ton of time in the offseason, and offseason, I mean, away from the UFC octagon, competing at a high level in jiu-jitsu, going to takedown well, implementing that en route to hard, hard ground and pound. And that was on full display where she picked up a second round TKO finish over Wu Yanan went two of three in a takedown department. And guess what? Jocelyn Edwards can be controlled against the cage, has pretty solid takedown defense. I shouldn't say solid. Has average takedown defense, solid striking, um, but losing a split decision to Ji-Yeon Kim, it, she's another fighter where I'm like, okay, where's the rest of your game? Because I'm waiting. I'm waiting to be impressed. And early, ugly early round against Ramona Pasquale, uh, but ultimately picked up the unanimous decision. So, with all that being said, she's dangerous. She hits hard, but we haven't seen her finish anybody inside the UFC. And with all that being said, I just I think that Lucy Pudilova is going to pick up another win, man. I, I think that she looks she looks so good in her previous mm -hmm. matchup that I'm sold. That I think this girl is very very good, and uh, she might break the slate. But it's the first fight of the night, you know. Trust that with a grain of salt. But I'm picking Pudilova here, at 8600. And let's get into our straight up fight picks for this fight card peak. Let's start right at the top. Uh, give me Max Holloway. Holloway. You already know I'm going to call me Invento. I've already needed a second. Really cute for me, too. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone knows where I'm going. Uh, give me uh, my guy, Just Justin Jacoby. Yeah, Jacoby. This one I keep going back and forth on. Same. Uh, Bozer. I'm going Bozer as well. Yeah. Gutierrez Munoz. Fights so much closer than the betting odds. DFS is Munoz. Straight up, I'll go Gutierrez, but this okay. fights a lot closer than I think. Completely fair. I'm, I'm just going to go Munoz straight up. 
Garcia and Guida. This is another one that I think is a little closer than the betting odds say, but I, I do think Garcia is, is the, the rightful favorite. I'm going to go Rafa. Uh, Algeo and Brown. This is another tricky underdog spot. Mm. I'm going to say TJ Brown because I just think he puts Algeo on his back. Same. I'm going TJ Brown. Uh, Nikolai and Roy Val. Man, Roy Val is one of my guys. He's one of my guys. You're going to root for him? You're going to pick him? I'm going to pick Roy Val. Okay. He's got to make it a sloppy fight. You know, he, he's yeah. got to make it a sloppy fight. Um, been out for a while, so maybe we, we see some cha- maybe some changes that uh, Coach Mark Rontoy has made there at Factor X with him. I'm going to go Nikolau, though. Cummings and Herman. Don't Cummings. trust either one of these. Don't trust either one of these guys. I'll go. I'll go. Zach Cummings. I feel like this may be uh, a UFC. Hey, let's get you a, a win in, in your hometown. Robertson and Rodriguez. Close fight. I think Rodriguez gets it done. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, Robertson. Uh, I'll go with Zell Huber against Venata. Zell Huber. Give me Brazil. Brazil. I will go uh, Bolanos. I got to go Bolanos, but man, Phillips is that Danaher. Nah, screw it. I'm going to go Aaron Phillips. I think, I think something's some, some trick is up his sleeve. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, and then I'll go Pudelova in the opening fight. Pudelova. Let me get uh, some, uh, before we get, wrap out here, some uh, just questions over a score to score totally for you. Join link right there uh, here in the show notes. Uh, value plays under 8k on DraftKings. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of value plays that you can, I mean, th- I there's, if you tell me five underdogs win tomorrow night, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I think it's that type of card. And that's how I'm going to build my lineups. Um, I might be wrong, but I'm probably going to have at least three underdogs. You know, yeah, I just think it's like it screams it. If I'm looking at value plays underneath AK, um, I would say Barboza, if he can, if he could be a forward fighter and, and Billy doesn't put him on his back uh, heels like you're talking about. Tanner Bozer, I think, is another one. Uh, Pedro Munoz, I would throw, is another one. Guida, another one. I Man, if you really want to, if you, if you got a sports book that has Guida by split decision, that may be a little bit of a juicy bet to, to go yeah. there. Um, Roy Val is a boom bust play. We, we, we know what he kind of is there. Um, those would be the ones I put as value plays on eight K on DK. Yeah, I'm gonna say Bozer, Brown, Phillips, Munoz. Uh, gets uh, Sam's usual question here. His over under is seven and a half. I'm saying under than that. That's I, yeah. I was yeah. thinking under two. Under no two. shot. Uh, no shot. Favorite core plays. Billy Q might be a core play for me. I have to tell you, just from a ceiling standpoint, I know he can lose that fight. Yeah. But, like, his his fantasy points per average is just astronomical compared to everybody else. Yeah. But I'd have to say Holloway, though, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, they would be right up there. I mean, this is one of those weeks where – and some of it is based on salary. Like, I don't have a ton of confidence on some people. Yeah, I'm, I don't have a lot of confidence in um, most of the card, and that's why I'm leaning underdogs. Favorite captains? I, I will tell you this, man. There, I think you have to look at who who can potentially go that takedown route. Like Billy, Billy could go takedown route. Um, Kutalaba, I think, is another one that's interesting as a captain role in that one. Uh, T.J. Brown's an underdog would be a, would be another interesting one. Yeah, I'm in agreement with all three. 
how much salary should be left to feel comfortable? Um, I think it depends on the type of contest you're playing in, first off. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're playing, you know, in, in a multi-entry type contest, 20 max, 150 max, um, I do like to set parameters in Cruncher to sit there and, and maybe try to leave three, four, five hundred $500 on the table just to get different. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think naturally you're going to leave salary on the table if you're interested in some underdogs. I don't think it's going to – you're going to have to, like, navigate because there's no – sexy 9,000 option that everybody's flocking to. I mean, Gaston Bolanos might be him and Nicolau might be the best in Holloway might be the best three 9,000 options, but they all come with their concerns. Bolanos making his debut octagon jitters, uh, grappling question mark. Um, you know, Nicolau going up against a guy who's just so reckless and dangerous. So everybody has a question mark surrounding them. And, there's no like sure Hamza Shamayev going to get that W with a massive, massive ceiling. So um, I'd probably say leaving 200 plus is the way to go this week. Let's end uh, the show on this one. I know there was some questions kind of about the PFL. Anything you like uh, betting wise on the PFL tonight? Um, on the PFL, well, what was I saying before the before the show? There were some interesting lines like. I do think it's interesting how, like, when they have fighters that just won the tournament in their return aren't, like, heavily favored. Sadabusi, only a minus 200 favorite against Jarrah Asalawi. That's interesting. You have uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier, who's actually the underdog against Shane Burgos in his PFL debut. PFL just throwing all their new signees against their tournament winners. That worked out great for Tiago Santos last last week or two weeks ago against my boy Rob Wilkinson. Um, no, it didn't. So it's like OAM's a complete value play. Hausch Monfio as an underdog against Alex Martinez. Those are kind of three of them. I will post something in the Discord if I do play something. But uh, just like quickly glancing at the card, I'm just kind of just thrown off by all three of those, if I'm being honest. Here's where PFL dropped the ball. You know what the main event of tonight's card should have been? Burgos versus Collard. Oh, yeah. That's, but like, that's the fight, man. Like, Burgos, give him the style. Like, OAM go out, goes out there and just presses Burgos against the cage. Who's going to win the fight? You know it, what I mean? It's like, just, and, and like, I'm looking at it from like, I want to see exciting fights. I, give me a reason that's to a sit. great matchup, bro. Give me a reason to sit home on a Friday night. Give me a that's reason a to put on PFL. By the way, this is also interesting. Um, the quote unquote main card airs before the prelims. Because of uh, TV. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some of these matchups. It's like postlim, postlim. I'm like, what? It's just weird. They do some weird Look, things d- over d- there d- at PFL. D- but. Does Sabadu C make you want to sit at home on Friday night? Yeah, God. God, no. <laughs> um, I will tell you that Carlos Leal is a very, very intriguing play. But I thought that he'd be kind of at pick odds. I, I was very impressed with him against um, uh, well, I forget his name Ray Cooper, but then he dropped the ball when he fought Sadabusi. So it's just it's interesting. Yeah, 
But, of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in for our UFC Kansas City preview. Of course, myself and people will both be in the score there tomorrow. Got to get those uh, personal taxes done tomorrow. You know, it's 1099s. They add up. Oh, <laughs> they oh yeah. Add up. Get it done. I, they sure do. <laughs> got, got the corporate taxes done the other day. Now it's time to get the personal taxes done. But, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, that, that's uh, – I hate this time of year. I hate this time of year. Just saying. Just hate it. All right. Me too, bro. Me too. Plus, then I got to kind of check to the IRS for my quarterly payment on Saturday as well. So, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm with you, bro. I'm right there. All that torture. But thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning into the show. Appreciate you. Um, we, we have conversations going on all throughout, you know, week, fight week, fight day uh, in our Discord, which is free to join. Just click the link in our description. Before you head out, please like the video. It really goes a long way. In addition to that, subscribe to the channel so you don't miss our videos, our week-to-week videos. And as always, thank you, Jason, for being here and uh, being the best in the business, brother. Yeah, let's watch some great fights here tomorrow. UFC Kansas City, of course, as Pete said, be sure, rate, review, subscribe, all that. No matter where you're watching us, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you check us out, be sure to uh, you know subscribe to us, rate, and review. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this edition of the Fight HQ preview show for UFC Kansas City.